What's up, Epperson, and welcome back to another episode of Gates, Gators, and Golf Cards. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of the pioneers of the community, Geraldine Sanchez. Jerry is a resident of Olivebrook Drive, and as most of you know her as the hardworking real estate agent, tirelessly working to find families the homes of their dreams, I felt that her personal story was just as amazing and empowering. And as we delve into where she came from, what brought her to Florida, her motivation to become a real estate agent, and where she gets her tireless work ethic, I think you'll find it enlightening as well. On this episode, we even talk about why she has such a passion for the Lagoon community, where she thinks the connected city is going, and even talk about the heartbreaking start to her year with the loss of her father to COVID. I couldn't stop wanting to know more. So this interview went so long that we actually had to divide it into two parts. So stay tuned for part two next week, as I know you won't want to miss out. So Epperson, please sit back and enjoy my guest this week, Jerry Sanchez. So this could go. This like could for be. Hours a, this could be bad. This, Nicole's is, was like two this is the rest hours. of your podcast already. Yeah, this, We're this gonna do all the topics all day long. We're gonna go into the wee hours of the night. <laughs> there's a lot to talk mm. about. Um, there's a lot to talk about the community, about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're from California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From Los Angeles. Um, from a city on the east side of Los Angeles, the bordering border of Orange County. What city? People might Whittier, know. California. What is it? Whittier. It's called nope. Whittier, Do California. Do not know anything about Whittier. Nobody knows about Whittier. I, what I can tell you is that uh, it's an old Quaker town. You grew up in a Quaker town? Well, it used to be a Quaker town. It's oh, it very L.A. now. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I read up on the history, it was known as a town where everybody was welcome. There's oh, okay. signs on the streets that say, ye old friendly town. Ye old friendly town. Mm-hmm. That's like something you would see in like like southern Pennsylvania, which is really big yeah. uh, Amish country or something. Right. Yeah. I think part of the history is you know when people moved started migrating to the west, is because they were looking for liberty, acceptance, equality, something new, and I think that stays with California till now. Californians are very proud of what we believe in. Okay. It's not a religion, but I right. think that. You're talking about all of California, or are you just talking about I think California in general state, the state, is popular for having very strong laws that protect Mm -hmm. minorities and certain groups that may not be as protected in other states. I see it as one of the states with it's full of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes look at me and be like, why? Why would you say that when it's so expensive to live there? Yeah, it is. Well, for starters, growing up there, I didn't know it was expensive. Mm -hmm. It was just life. But I can tell you, because of their high taxes, they have so many programs to help just about anybody. You could have really? any idea and find a grant for it. I even told Michael, if you ever get sick again, we're going to California because mm. we will not be able to afford your medical care in Florida. There's no programs for us here. Really? And So even though it's expensive, they have a lot of, just a lot of things, you know, programs you, like you were so saying. There's so much opportunity you. there. Something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, us on this side in Florida... Mm-hmm have a negative view of California because of the money issue, because they say it's so expensive, but right. Um, people, I mean, that place has how many popular cities and how many people live there? I right. mean, the population, obviously people love to be there. And then we are, you know, we have a huge section that is famous for agriculture. Mm-hmm. We export a lot. 
out of California. You but know? I also think because people think like California, they think L.A., San mm-hmm. Francisco, maybe San Diego. They forget about Central California, which right. is rich in agriculture, farms, right. animals, everything. And um, that's a benefit to the state that we can export all that. Right. It's a sunny state with dry weather. Yeah. So Florida is a sunshine state, but it's humid here. It's full of bugs. <laughs> so it's not humid there. It's not humid in California. Well, it's always obviously, you know, I, you know, um, we got custody, emergency custody of my daughters who came from San Diego mm-hmm. and th- their first summer here, you know, they would say, oh my God, it's so hot. <laughs> like you just came from San Diego, like California. They're like, no, it, no. that's not the same. <laughs> right. What I remember is it was only really hot, hot for two weeks, first two weeks of August. Mm-hmm. It's hot, and I'm talking about like 90 degrees. That's hot for us. Right. But it's not hot the rest of the year. It's like a nice 75. Really? And then it gets cold in the winter. I guess when I think about L.A., it's like beach weather all the time, hot, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not hot. It's beach weather if you like it crisp and cold, like 75. I'm not putting a a swimsuit on when it's 75. That's too cold for me. (laughs) Even here? Yeah, I need heat. I like the heat. I like the 90 degree weather. I think 75 is too uh, hot for Alexis, though. Yeah, no. Coming from Washington State. I'll still wear a sweatshirt at 75. Well, in Washington State, it's like 70, 75. It's perfect weather, like for two months out of the year Mm -hmm. in Seattle. So. And the neat thing about LA is that you can, there are certain times throughout the year where you can drive an hour to Big Bear Mountain and go snowboarding, where you can drive an hour to the beach and go surfing. There's certain times of year that it's just perfect. Yeah. It's snowing just an hour away because we've got the mountains. Right. And it's warm enough to put on a wetsuit and jump in the ocean. The Pacific Ocean is cold too. Yeah. But you can do it, which is pretty amazing. people go surfing there all the time. I mean, people are in the water all the time in California. I guess Um, they just get used to it. Yeah. So California to here. Yes. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in Florida? I came to Florida for love. Oh, Mm. that's so sweet. Michael. I met Michael in LA. He... um, Hold on just one second. mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the garage door opener. Oh, <laughs> wow. You can feel all the way up here. Yeah, well, it's right underneath this. I don't want this house after all. You don't want it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. In my homes, if you're hearing this, um, Jerry has now said she's going. <laughs> she doesn't want to go in your home anymore. Oh, my God. I forgot what it's like living in a two-story home. I grew up in a two-story home. That's right, because yours is not two-story. <laughs> but it was from the 70s. But just like one home? I grew up, no. How many I, homes did you live at? live in? Kid. My parents are not planning of moving too. I wish I could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on, I don't think I did, but in order for to get people to understand my life and how much I moved, I tell them I went to 12 different schools 13 times because one of the schools I went to twice <laughs> and I never failed or got held back. And the topper of all that is that I went to high school my last three years at the same school so if you do so the you math didn't move after that so you weren't moving when you were in high school anymore i didn't move schools but yes we moved houses oh, okay. um we moved, you move so much um broken home mm-hmm. uh, my parents divorced when I, when I was two uh my mom you know just kind of tried to make ends meet whatever mm-hmm. she could by the time i was five-ish they were going through a custody thing because my mom really couldn't take care of me or my brother my older brother anymore so I went to go live with my dad and he was in the Navy. Of course, that doesn't help when it comes to moving. Yeah. So I was in Virginia for my, in Norfolk, Virginia for my first grade year, Topsom, Maine for my second grade year, then moved back to Ohio where I was originally from, but he was still stationed in Norfolk. So he would, he was stationed there, but we lived in Ohio. 
Mm-hmm. And so he um, he would just kind of come back and forth when he had leave and stuff. As you can imagine, that's for the most part, he was gone. Mm-hmm. And so who watched you guys? My stepmother. I had oh, a stepmom okay. and then um, my stepbrother. I went to go back to live with my mom whenever I was 11, I think. Mm-hmm. And we were just constantly moving. What caused the change to go back to mom's house? Because the law stated that at 11, I can make a decision where I want to live at. Mm-hmm. I didn't, so at 11, anyone, any child can choose where to live? Back then it would. When I was 11 in Ohio, I could wow. choose to go back. I could just choose where oh, I, I had a say. Like I guess, well, we kind of went through this with the girls now because them being 16, 13, and 12, mm-hmm. there was a question about how they, you know, how old you have to be to say where you want to live. Right. Well, my 16-year-old and my 13-year-old were able to actually talk to the judge when we went through the whole emergency custody thing. So at least they had their voice heard. So when I was 11, though, in Ohio, I guess that was just kind of like an age back then. Now it, now they say that court has to determine their maturity. They could be a mature 11-year-old or they could be an immature 14-year-old. You know, they had to determine the maturity. But back then it was just blanket, 11 years old, you could say where you... That's what I that's what I believe. That's that's what I was, I was told. I think I was just kind of given, I think it was probably easier on my stepmother. If she didn't have to deal with three kids, she could deal with two. Especially with my dad gone. Wait a minute. So just you left? Yeah, because my stepbrother is hers. And then my um, half-brother, my younger brother, is hers and my dad's. So it oh. was just me. I had, I was... Okay. You know, so I chose to go back and live with my mom. Okay. And my life with my dad and my stepmom was more stable, like where we'd live at. He was in the Navy. So, I mean, we had a pretty mm-hmm. stable life. But honestly, I just didn't feel, I felt more love. I didn't see my dad a whole lot. It wasn't about me and my dad. It was about me and my stepmom. I felt more love when I went to go see my mom for, yeah. you know, for visitation. So I just chose to go back and live with her. And then she had just recently married, had my sister but we moved and we weren't, we weren't financially well off or anything like that. So we were always mm-hmm. kind of struggling to find our place to where we could, you know, make it the best. And we moved a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. We actually moved to Newport Ritchie from Ohio to Newport Ritchie for six months and went back. Yeah. I remember hearing that on the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> that year, my eighth grade year. So I came down. So I went to seventh grade year up there, came down here, finished out my seventh grade year at Bannett Point Middle, started my eighth grade year at Bannett Point Middle. We moved back to Ohio. I went back to the same school that I had left. Mm-hmm. And then right um, about two months before the end of that school year, my eighth grade year, we moved to another school district. So I went to three different schools my eighth grade year. And honestly, I think maybe that's why I didn't fail or or get held back or anything like that. Because when I was at Bannett Point, I was not doing that well academically wise. I think it was easier to kind of, when I was changing schools, they kind of like took it easy on me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I was able to kind of get a fresh start on, on some things. And right. Then we eventually moved to North Carolina. I went to high school. We moved. We moved in three or four different houses while I was uh, while I was in high school. Wow. So when are you moving again? And obviously, you know <laughs> that I, we've lived in three houses since we've been in Epperson. So, <laughs> of course, I joined the army after I came out of high school too. So, of course, I was moving a lot then. But I tried as much as I could to stay. I was in Hawaii for my first six years in the military. That oh, wow. doesn't really happen. You usually move like about every two to three years. Right. Yeah. But. I was able to try to stay. I stayed in, I was doing extensions on my duty stations to stay. But yeah, again, now it's just in my blood. Mm-hmm. I want to move. I always tell my mom that she was a gypsy. So that's <laughs> why we just move all the time because we should have just been part of the gypsy. She's gypsies. so sweet. I feel like she would just roll her eyes at you saying these things. <laughs> my mom, my mom could be sweet. Yeah. She, she rolls her eyes at me. I'm sure every time she sees anything on Facebook or whatever. So let's talk about your family. You're growing um, up. Yeah. So Were you we born were, in California? Mm-hmm. 
You were Los born Angeles. In okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how was your family growing up? Well, we didn't really move. My parents were always together. They've been together since my mom was 12 and my dad was 15. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. a love story there. Mm-hmm. They have an interesting story too that I won't get too far into, but yeah, they were together all these years until my dad passed away earlier this year, just a few months ago. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, we lived in, well, my dad, my parents are naturalized citizens, so they came here from Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. So that makes me Chicana. Okay. You don't know what that is? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm so uncultured. I'm a whole <laughs> I feel like you would have guy. so, especially since you moved all the time. You I must did, have been it's around the same. a lot of It wasn't people. like I was, you know, in different countries and stuff. There's so much, there's That's so much true. culture. Well, I can tell you that um, Los Angeles, certain sections of it are, are certainly feel like little Mexico. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of Hispanics, they're mostly Mexicans. So I talk about transplants coming to Florida all the time. Technically, yeah. Los Angeles, I think, would be, I mean, everybody just migrates to Los Angeles for, From all for over something. From yes. To try to be a movie star, to get famous, but also because it's so close to so many areas that kind of, it's a big city, like it has a glamour. It's kind of like New mm-hmm. York has a glamour about it. Because it's the land of opportunity. There's so much to do there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is so much poverty there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot more than when I was growing up. Right. A lot more. It's sad to see that. But I'm. it doesn't bother me or anything. Yeah. Michael gets a little scared. He's a little Does like, he? mm. yeah, well, because it's very <laughs> dangerous. You know, there's Death yeah. Valley and then there's Skid Row and it's not Valley. It's Death Alley. Yeah. So, so Death Alley. Yeah. It's in L.A. It's near USC, which is crazy because USC is, you know, such a popular school. Very and it's popular. known. I mean, it's got that. That's slang that university to spoil children, mm-hmm. but it's surrounded by people are rough areas. Get, people are paying people off to get in there, so it's uh... yeah. You know what? I feel like it's always been that way. I'm yeah. like, this is news. But did you, by the way, did you watch the um, college accept, uh, acceptance scandal on Netflix? I didn't watch that, but that's the whole. I thought it was very interesting the amount the whole... of money that people pay to get their kids into college through the back. So it wasn't just Millions about those specific stories. Those stories like Lori Loughlin. No, this and all guy. That. Was, this guy this was, was the number one guy. Everyone went to him. Every school in the country. That's so crazy. He got away with it for a long time. I want to say probably like 20 years or That's more. Crazy. And no one ever cared to chat. Yeah, that, that brings up privilege, right? Mm-hmm. I'd like to get into that because recently, I would say within the last two months, I had a friend of mine or an acquaintance at least on Facebook who's in the army. And he posted something about privilege on his Facebook page. And I used to fight that a lot. People say about white, white, white privilege and stuff. And I used to fight that a lot because I used to always be so negative about it and say, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not privileged. You know, I had a hard childhood growing up and I had to come to terms with the fact that I put a comment on his post. I can't remember the meme and I wish I could. But what I put there was, yes, I had a hard childhood growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, was it hard or difficult? You know, we moved around a lot like I was just talking about. And, you know, we lived in some bad neighborhoods when I was in one of my schools. I was Mm -hmm. literally uh, in Dayton, Ohio. I was bust from the east side to the west side because they were trying to integrate races. So they were bringing white kids over to the west side, which was predominantly black. And you were one of the ones that went? Yeah. So I, you feel? It's, you know, it's funny because this was seventh grade. I guess I didn't grasp it. I didn't feel threatened. If I think about it, I didn't feel threatened or anything like that. I, just, about it. I didn't think anything about it. I will tell you that in the sixth grade, I lived in, in Dayton, Ohio as well, but I lived in the city. And I was one of the only white kids in that school. And so I did get picked on a lot. I got picked on about my shoes not being leather. Uh, and then I go and get leather shoes, but they weren't name brand mm-hmm. or the clothes. It was I always wore. something. It was always something like that. So I get that a little bit, but I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. That's that's not fair at all. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I wrote on his Facebook page was that, you know, I had a difficult childhood. I went through a lot of stuff growing up. Um, I had things that I had to overcome. But the one thing I never had to overcome was my race. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had things that were kept from me. And other things, your height, yeah. your skin color, your eye color. Yes. Your name. Yep. These are all, all of those things about you are just acceptance in most right. things. You turn in a resume, Chris Belcher, they don't know what you look like. Yeah. That's going to get in before um, Jose Sanchez. Right. Or um, a name that has a different cultural background in it, you know. Mm-hmm. But you forget about those things. And I forget about them too. Mm-hmm. I'm a minority, but still there are others that experience different things, right? So mm-hmm. we forget about the privileges we have until Definitely. we kind of take the time like this podcast you're learning about so many different people you're going to be more cultured after you finish this yeah. not my session specifically but that's once my you've done side, five, now, ten, you know you're going to learn about different walks of life and it brings you back down to earth yeah. you know honestly that's one of my favorite things of my in my career is that i get to meet so many people and i go into their homes where they're the most comfortable and they tell me about their story and it always of course starts with home buyer selling but we get deeper than that like what is what's changing what's you know how can we make this an easy process but it's one of my favorite things learning like about different stories do you feel a certain tug at your heart maybe when you're able to get somebody of a minority or into a house of their dreams do you feel um, a different yeah you? yeah it, it's more actually it's more so when i can when i see the process and how hard it is for somebody to buy a house I have a client who I've been working with for over two years now, has fallen out of contract before Mm -hmm. due to personal reasons and has had to go through so many things, finally going to close sometime this summer on our new construction home. Um, We don't have an exact date yet, but I am just so proud of her. And she's not a specific, it's not because of her her race or anything. It's just, uh, and actually she's actually successful, but just all the stuff that's happened in her life. Right. Yeah. I feel very proud when people get you know, what they want. Sometimes I have families who put me in rather challenging situations where they want to sell and buy a home on the same day. And it puts a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on me. Who who does that? Who wants to to buy and sell on the same day? It's a lot of pressure on me because I know that if one thing goes wrong, (laughs) everything falls apart, right? Because I can't control the other parties in these transactions. It can certainly be done, but uh, and I'm, starting, definitely to, I'm feel, starting to find out exactly how you felt when you were uh, working with us now. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> and and at the same time, I feel very proud to be given that role right. that someone is putting their trust in me right. to handle over almost a million dollars in one day to transact from one to the other. Mm-hmm. You know, people work their whole lives to be able to afford a house. Right. And in many times, this is the biggest transaction of their life. So I want it to go smooth. And so, you know, sometimes that causes me a little bit of stress at home because I'm very hands-on in my role. Um, I recently hired assistants, and I'm having a challenge giving them assignments. I have three, yeah. And you're just gonna have them in your home. hmm? Are you just gonna have them in your home, just like walk around your home and assist? No, no, they're all virtual. (laughs) They do all my administrative stuff. I can just Um, imagine you having these assistants in that. I follow me around, following you around like all the time with like their books, like like, taking notes. You you say something like writing down every single word. Yeah, driving me around. Oh my gosh! Oh, that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, so yes, I do. There is an emotional part to my job mm-hmm. and being able to help people make their dreams come true with home buying. Because we're kind of segueing into home buying, I do want to tie it back to, you know, kind of like your, how you grew up and stuff. Um, obviously we worked with you mm-hmm. and 
you know, people can on the outside can look, can look at you and see how obviously how busy you are, but we got to see it firsthand. We were selling a house. Mm-hmm. We were buying a house. We were doing that all during the holidays in mm-hmm. December. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a really quick turnaround. I mean, we were like, you, you kind of told me about the house and then the next day we went and saw it. And then, right. And I was just showing it to you for fun. Yeah, I thought, this show- is a great yeah. deal. It's yeah. a beautiful house. Yeah. Look I'm at sure. Pool. I'm sure. I'm sure when Alexis said, Hey, um, can you show me this house? And you kind of like rolled your eyes. I go, Oh no, here we go. But, yeah. <laughs> um, because it was in December. Right. So trying mm-hmm. to do all this stuff, actually it was probably toward the end of November because my mom was here for Thanksgiving and, uh, and I felt kind of bad because she was here <laughs> to spend a, you know, a right. holiday and mm-hmm. here we are now we're going out and we're doing all this legwork to try to to try to get us into a didn't we put the home. house on the market in like four days i think it's it, our house in the market after we decided yeah because i think we put the offer in the beginning of the week and we had it on the market by saturday by well, friday we had, by friday and then mm-hmm. we had the open house on saturday mm-hmm. the one they wanted me to cancel yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me not to do something, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. So working, I mean, we knew you before that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we become a lot closer. My family and your family is going to be a lot, a lot closer because of that whole experience, which obviously was a good experience. Mm-hmm. But we knew you before that, but then watching you work, we knew you were busy. But And this is kind of cliche to say, but we felt like we were your only client. Yeah. You know? Well, good. That's my hope. Yeah. You were not my only client. <laughs> I, we know because but, we know you were getting phone yeah. calls and stuff, but, you know, weekly meetings about it. And we didn't have mm-hmm. many weekly meetings because we obviously went under contract really fast. But, um, but just to have that kind of personal touch, just, but there was, it was, it was fun to watch you work, but also just knowing how much effort you put in and how, how important it is to do everything you can for your client. So my question of that is, where does that drive come from? Um, Not just for real estate, well, which you've been in real estate for how long? I'm going on 20 years. 20 years, but not 20 years as an agent. No. No. Been a realtor in Florida for, is it three years? Three or years? Three and a half, almost three years? Oh, ask me. I actually don't even know. But you weren't doing just real estate until when? No, I worked, I so I get that drive from my parents and just yeah, because I, I, I like challenges. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably my work ethic is more so from my dad because he enjoyed working and um, he taught us hard work. I've always said that children only need two things. They need to learn a work ethic and know that they're loved. And that's what my dad did. I'll remember that when you put that down on paper for my kids. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, right, because we forget sometimes. I mean, I forget too. I try to remind myself, but um, my dad worked a lot, but he was so fun and so loving. And he also was kind of like... YOLO mentality. He did whatever he wanted and didn't think about the future. I think because he was paired up with my mom, they were able to save money to buy a house because I don't think he would have ever done it. He, he would just, just, yeah, he would have like, who cares? You know? all the time. Yeah. yeah, my mom is um, very sweet, very mellow, very, very nice, just calm. She's also, a, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if she's a feminist, but she's very independent mm-hmm. and raised us very independent. Um, all three of us. I have oh, a brother that's definitely and in you. Yeah, but I think there's a there's a part of her too. She took sh- such good care of my dad and and us and anybody around her mm-hmm. that I get that from her. Where I I get an assignment and I want to just hold it like it's my baby, right? Like I'll tell Michael sometimes I'm gonna go look at all my babies. It's all my own, <laughs> my new construction homes. That's I want to check metaphor. on the lots, you know. Right. Make sure I put my my clients will sell their home. I'll put them in a rental that's my listing and I'll find them the lot that fits them. And it's like a one stop shop, right? Mm-hmm. And 
I've got so many moving parts and I'm doing all this while I'm trying to sell your home and right. put you in a new one where you feel like you're the only one, right? right? Is that the most um, so difficult? I, is the hmm? like is that the most difficult to sell a, sell a home and buy a home at the same time for a client? It's difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it's difficult to get an offer accepted with the home to sell contingency, um which sometimes you don't need it, right. which is nice, but in most to, cases you do need it. I do want to give a plug cuz we had a great broker uh, your mortgage mortgage yes, yes. mortgage broker yes mortgage Steven. broker Stephen Oliver mm -hmm. um, he did for not being it very long he he worked super hard as well yeah and he also I think him and I have something in common where he he had experience working in finance mm -hmm. he is used to working with people um, and then he did when he decided to do this it seems like he was prepared for a long time already like yeah. this is where he should be and this is what he should be doing all along. That's right. how I feel about being a realtor. And he did such a good job handling yeah. everything. That was my first transaction with him. That's awesome. Um, which is nice because you guys, you know, pulled me in and he's a neighbor and yeah. we all worked together and made it happen. Yeah, I, th I thought it all worked really well. And I think that obviously working with you and seeing that gave us a whole new perspective about how hard you work. Because there are a lot of real estate agents around here. They're everywhere. They, huh? They're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And and they all work they all work hard. Mm -hmm. You as as our real estate agent, everything came together just so quickly and smoothly that even though I knew you were working so hard and tirelessly, it was just, just kind of like, oh, this is just what you do. You had a plan from the very beginning, like sat down with us with the whole packet. Like it was a whole plan set up. And then watching you since is like, oh, I get it, because this is this is her. Like this isn't like some kind of competition thing for you at all. This is your right. job. This is where you're like, you love this job. I love it. Yeah. I should have done this since I was 18, but yeah, I, I love it. Um, but everything that I did brought me here. Right. And maybe that's why I'm so prepared. I think there's a t an, a, an attention to detail about the work that you do. It's almost like you're not doing anything extra. Like you really feel like this is, this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. This is what I should be doing. Where I think there's some people, not not real estate agent, but I'm talking about any kind of job where they feel, oh, that's that's extra. I could always do that extra if I wanted to put in the extra time and work. But for you, it's like this is this is exactly how it, how it needs to be, mm -hmm. and every single client gets the exact same attention. Mm -hmm. I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Every single one. Right before your house, I'd be I want to say a month and a half before I sold to Spain Howard's oh, yes. house, yep. and I remember going to their house for weekly meetings, and it was such a fun experience. Just you know, going talk about what's going on. Sometimes mm -hmm. we wouldn't be a rival state. We just, you know, catching up. Um, but the reason why I started doing that is because I realized that sometimes our clients, and this is just normal in, in the real estate world, I think, our clients have questions, mm -hmm. but they don't always call us. They have okay. questions about their transaction. They're under contract right. or they're, they have a listing and they don't always call the realtor. They go ask their neighbor or they post <laughs> online or they, they hit up another realtor yeah. or like they call their, you know, their dad was a realtor 20 years ago or something like that. Yeah. So I realized I need to get myself in front of my clients more often so that if there is questions, they're coming to me and I'm answering them um, yeah. because their scenario may not be like their cousin and selling homes in another state, you right. know, that's completely different market. And I don't want them to have the wrong info, but also they start making decisions that could affect their transa transaction. Yeah. And I want to be a part of it to let them know, Hey, don't do this. Like uh, we're closing tomorrow. Don't or don't buy a car. 
thinking the lender's yeah. not going to notice tomorrow. Right. He's going to, he's, it's going to be on your credit in an I hour. Think almost, I think you had to tell us that because we ended up having to wait. We waited till after like two weeks, I think, after we closed. We had a bigger yeah. vehicle because we needed one. Mm-hmm. Say needed one. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of pretentious because <laughs> yeah. we hadn't, we have vehicles, but we needed one to fit our whole, um, you know, yeah. football family. team of kids we have. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, that was like, okay, hold off, hold off. Hold off, hold off. And that's difficult because we spend like crazy. And sometimes so. people just, honestly, it could be a really smart client. They just forget that all that these things sense. are tied in. Yeah. They forget that the lender is going to see everything. But even when it's, let's say I have a cash buyer and they don't agree that we should do an inspection on their brand new construction home because it's a brand new house. The builder knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you should always have a third party inspe- inspection. Someone who's not motivated by the sale. We, I've talked about this on, on the podcast uh, in the past about how our homes have just increased in value at least by what, 60, 70%, some of them. Our values are moving faster than they can record. So I tell my clients right now in this market, if I tell you your home is worth Mm -hmm. $500,000, it's very likely by next week it'll be worth five hundred and ten dollars or $520,000. Okay, so why? Why why is this? What what is going on in the market? Because you have a very, you know... um, Real estate sales all over the nation are out of control right now, mm-hmm. okay, because the rates were low. That was really what drove them first. Okay. Um, combined with people wanting more space or wanting to move out of the city into the suburbs, things like that. Um, and for us in Florida, it's a blessing because people are now allowed to work from home indefinitely. And why would they work in the snow? They'd rather work in the Sunshine State. So That's more true. people are moving to Florida than any other state, I think, is what I keep reading. And I definitely feel that. I can't remember the last time I sold a home to a, someone from Florida. It might have been you guys, actually. I can't mm-hmm. remember the last time I closed on a home to someone who, with someone that was, like, from here. Like, had you guys weren't even Florida really from address. Here. Yeah, they had yeah. a Florida address. I can't remember. Um, I mean, the Spainhowers closed on their new home in, in March. But, I mean, I feel like those don't count because you guys are moving within the neighborhood. You know, right, I'm talking right. about someone outside of Epperson moving or even just to watch the chapel. I, I can't remember yeah. the last time it was someone from, from Tampa, at least. Um, so people want to live in Florida. So we have a huge demand for housing here. So that makes our values go up because everybody wants the same house. You've got five homes and 300 buyers. Mm-hmm. So they're they're all going to do whatever they can to get that house. A lot of them are offering over asking, you know, um, yeah. price. Well, I offering. wish somebody would have offered over asking for ours. But I know. I'm just but, joking. But, but. <laughs> you know, but think about it. That was just six months ago. Right. We weren't That's... in that market six months ago. All we of a sudden... That. It's changed. I mean, we would have sold, like if we would have waited just like two months, probably, we would have gotten more. And for mm-hmm. us, it wasn't. But you also would have paid more. You're right. We would have. Well, yeah, we definitely would have. We, I think we so did really So this well house sales. that you guys have, right. you guys have the Miralago mm-hmm. by MI Homes with the pool. You got a pretty decent amount of upgrades in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got the railing. You've got the, the surround sound, all kinds of cool stuff. You've mm-hmm. got, I think is the platinum package in the kitchen, which I can't tell now because you customized it, but yeah, I think right. it, it was. It doesn't look like a kitchen. Um, you know, you've got the glass front door. It's a beautiful lot with the pond. door, view. by the way, which eight I didn't even know door. until we had somebody in our house and it was a kid um, from our our old neighborhood, I like to say, but it's actually yeah. just like two blocks down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she came she came by here with her dad and she's standing in the doorway. She goes, oh my gosh, your your door is so tall. And it was right then I realized that it was actually the, the okay. big door. like the. How long had you been living here since when that happened? About a month. Oh God. <laughs> a month. You when definitely I realized have black kids. You don't pay attention was, to that stuff. No. And I was like, oh, um, look at that. That door is beautiful. So, this house right now, just mm-hmm. like this, with this lot, this location in this community, is probably in the 650 range. 
That is insane. I that is that you is do so have a beautiful insane. pool though. Without a pool, it would be different because yeah. that's another thing. All of a sudden, with the pandemic, people want their own pool. So Even the in pool a lagoon went, community, huh? Even in a lagoon community. Even in a lagoon community. I won't get into the procedure I had yesterday, but I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was at. I was in the hospital as post op. A coworker that I had when I was in the emergency room. She now works in the PACU, the basic post op, and so. I asked for her to see if she was there and she was there. So she came and she sat down and the whole entire time I was there in post-op, I was talking to her and I was, and I made a comment about having a pool and she was like, why do you need a pool when you got the lagoon? Like she knows I live in the lagoon community, right? Why do you need a pool when you have the lagoon? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It's nice to just to be able to have your, you know, obviously we talked about, I was bringing up the whole, you know, issues, issues. And I'm putting up air quotes right now. Because some issues of the issues are pretentiously laden, but issues with the lagoon. Oh, yeah. Because we're just do too, you have, do, we're too privileged here. When you go to Adventure Island, do you have issues? I've never been to Adventure Island. When but you go I've to Disneyland, to, do you have issues? I don't. Yes. Well, I, I, I know we are getting, <laughs> right? Every, and I've said this, I think, on Facebook as well. Like, it's. I'm a little bothered that Adventure Island didn't email me and let me know that, that they're changing their rules. You know what? I, they're I, making all these decisions without me. That. You need to get down there. I have a pass them. for my son. In fact, I bought passes for him and all his friends. You're I need to so know nice. when things are changing. I saw a family throw away a whole bag of hot dogs when I was there because they wouldn't let them bring food in. They used to let you bring food in. Up oh, to Adventure Island? Yeah. Or you're talking about So Logan. I bought them a dining pass. <laughs> Which one? This family oh, threw really? away like 30 hot dogs is what it seemed like. I mean, come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, but you're, well, Disney, Disney World lets you bring in food, so they can't. You know, That's true. They let you bring in food. Obviously, I said I was putting air quotes and saying issues, yeah. right? Because I think no, I understand. When you it know, comes I to Lagoon, I, I, we're going to get into this conversation because I, would, I, I have Absolutely. had people on, and we haven't really gotten into the we haven't really gotten into say the drama of say like the lagoon and stuff. Yeah. We've talked about golf carts a little bit. We've talked about the gates issue, but we haven't really dove deep into the lagoon. I know that you are a big supporter of the lagoon, like right. just the community overall. Like you do, I mean, you're kind of a community ambassador, mm-hmm. like you. I know that when we were selling our house, like one of the biggest things you were saying, like when we have people come and do open houses or not open houses, but when they come tours. And they to tours, one of the first things you do is you meet them at the lagoon. Yeah. At the scenic point. Yeah. The scenic point. Yeah. So they can put their lagoon goggles on. They can't think about anything <laughs> lagoon, else after. The lagoon <laughs> goggles. Right. Yeah. So then they say, oh my gosh, I don't care if it's a trailer inside. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, just get me we're in here. Just get me, get in me here. on the list. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll pay $500,000 for just to be here. So. But you're a big supporter of the lagoon. Mm. So, you know, it seems like you have a different view of how other people see the lagoon, like residents, not other people, because I've mentioned like on TikTok, I felt a kind of pulling at my heartstrings a little bit when I watch TikTok and I see people that don't live here, they're going to the lagoon and they're like, oh my God, look at this hidden gem. You know, this place is amazing. We're going here for the day and I'm glad we're able to. And I think for us, we can get, we're spoiled, obviously. We pay a minimal amount for unlimited access to the lagoon and you have people paying, you know, 100, $200 mm-hmm. for the families to come into the lagoon. They see things as like, they're going to go there for like one time, two times, maybe three times a year. Mm-hmm. And they do view it like they're going to an adventure Island. They do view it as not a vacation spot, but just mm-hmm. kind of like a, just a, it's like the a, residents or the people, who no, come the people, the people that come here. So oh, I yeah. saw that this on such like, an TikTok Instagram hotspot. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So why are we so spoiled? <laughs> right and we forget we i mean you know i i would change some things at the lagoon too i am right. i totally love the lagoon but i think that you know sometimes everything there's room for improvement everywhere 
that's that's a, that's a good view. And I tried to, um, I did recently change uh, my view on the lagoon and how we how we view it. We uh, someone had put on the Facebook a while back saying once we start realizing that it's not an amenity because we get that word in our head yeah. and we start thinking amenity, mm-hmm. and uh, people think an amenity is it's theirs. It's theirs. And I actually had to like post like the definition of an amenity mm-hmm. on like when I was talking to somebody on Facebook because I saw that. Yeah. And it's because it's not what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just access. And well, you could call it an amenity, but if that's it, well, we pay if, a reduced uh, rate. My thought is call it whatever you want and that makes you feel better. Yeah. I just want you to be happy in life. Right. <laughs> but I think if we call it, if, if people think of what an amenity is for a community, they're going to be, they're going to have a negative view about the lagoon because. Yeah. But it is an amenity because we pay a reduced rate. We pay a significantly reduced rate mm-hmm. for unlimited access. Not only that, we can you can go to the lagoon for two hours, go home and eat lunch, and then come back. That is right. That's like if the you biggest don't thing. live here yep. and you and you want to go and get lunch, you're driving all the way to to um, Wiregrass Mall or to mm-hmm. Tampa um, outlets to get like a good meal. Right. Unless you're going to have hot dogs in the car that have been in the sun all day. I don't know. <laughs> you know <what laughs> or I mean? go pick them out of the trash after yeah. you just dump When them I used to go to my, – my parents used to take me to Disneyland when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. We would leave at lunchtime and my, we would have an ice chest in the truck with right. everything for sandwiches and make sandwiches, eat, right. and then go back. And I remember my mom would never buy us a souvenir or anything because we're just – we're going to Disneyland yeah. for our annual summer Disneyland thing. Disneyland is your souvenir. And it's that's – right. Yeah. Like – if not, let me give you one and grab you by the arm and so mm-hmm. you can never forget this trip. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Don't start complaining right now. Right. Um, but I think one of the reasons I have a positive view of the lagoon is because of where I came from. Okay. This is more than I could have ever imagined. Living in such a beautiful community with beautiful roads, beautiful homes, um, gated, mm-hmm. uh, and having the lagoon right there, having neighbors that have become family. I mean, Definitely. I remember driving in here and people waving at me. And I was like, why the hell is he waving at me? <laughs> Where does he know me from? T- turn around right now. Do like, they not do that in California? <laughs> no. We and said that, that about... I hardly uh, ever spoke to my neighbors. Uh, no. In Washington State, we said the same thing. We had a very few neighbor friends. We lived in a brand new community. We rented a brand new house. And we had very few, like, friends, like, neighbors. Yeah. We'd go to their house. The people on my street, we lived there for three years. Like, we might know them, wave at them. Yeah. But we weren't sitting out talking to them yeah. and you partying with Halloween them. Halloween party. Yeah, doing shots in their driveway. No, we're not. We're not doing. We weren't those doing those little that. blood syringes that they had with like a oh, vodka yeah. drink. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we weren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we come here, and Alexis's first uh, interaction with the community when it came to moving was she just happened to post on the Facebook page that hey, can anybody come help unload a truck? Mm-hmm. And like five people there, and like that. 10 that's minutes. the same thing that happened to us. We needed help moving a bed, and like. One one uh, husband, somebody's husband showed up and did it really fast with Michael. And mm-hmm. it was so fast that like three or four other husbands from the neighborhood had shown up with like a beer and decided yeah. to just stay there and chat with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, took like an hour pause on moving. But it was really nice. It was a nice warm welcome. I'm thoroughly impressed with the people. And by the way, this isn't Southern hospitality because I went to high school in North Carolina and there's a lot of we had to learn that. Um, coming from Ohio, coming down to North Carolina, Southern hospitality is different. In North Carolina, people are pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you're going to find bad people everywhere. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, Southern hospitality is real. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't say that about Florida because, one, Robert said it the best. He said the, for, the further north you go, the more south you get. That's, right. That was I his, remember his that. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. he's so right. He is so right. Yeah. Because it's it's not – you have so many people that aren't from Florida here. They're, yeah. they're not Florida natives. They're not like this Southern hospitality. These are people that are from the north that moved here. 
But yet somehow they get here. They want a different interaction with people. They want to help. They want to be nice. They want to support. Um, I think my experience seeing it from a realtor perspective when I sell homes is um, I think when you move into a new construction home, you tend Mm. to meet more neighbors. People get to know each other during the build. They run into each other when they're checking on the lot. And they're both so excited about their journey that they've been waiting for for six, nine months, even a year sometimes. Um, But when you buy a resale, specifically even in this community, when I sell resales, sometimes they make friends as well. But they are, it's just easier to make friends when it's the, like the first family in there. Right. Because they just, it's just something in their excitement. You're like just you more willing common, to talk right? to people. I don't know. And then for the ones that move in into a resale, once they get online and they see how close we all are, how we all help each other out, it's like one of those things when you, what is that called? When, like if you yawn and someone else yawns, right? I don't know what the term is. But when someone does something right. and you naturally like mirror them, yep. right? I feel like we kind of have that effect in new construction communities and they move hmm. here and then they, I wasn't like this and where I came from, I wasn't helping all my neighbors, talking to all my neighbors all the time, hanging out with them. You know, I come over to your house, I just walk right in. I don't, I didn't never did that at my neighbors in LA. Right. But it's so common and comfortable that more and more people get into the groove of being that way with their neighbors. Right. It's like inspiring others, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you you post about, you know, doing a good deed or something you inspire. Well, I feel like it's the same way when people are posting online about, you know, can someone help me with my golf cart? It like stopped in the middle of the road. Right. And then if Patrick Nusiforo can't get there fast enough, <laughs> 25 people will get there before him to help. And well, just you see your neighbor like that. do that and you just think, I know nothing about golf carts, but I would run out there if I had the time and be like, well, how can I help? You want to get in my car and I'll take you home, get some, right. you know what I mean? Do you need a water? We just help each other out. Right. The positive more than outweighs the bad here. Right. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. We tell everybody that the people is, is what kept us here. It wasn't Lagoon or anything like that. Right. I mean, honestly, it was probably the first Halloween we had here. That's probably what, what kept us here because it was just a big party. Everybody's mm-hmm. just handing out shots and stuff. And there have been so many events. There have been so many events for this community that individual people have put on, mm-hmm. including yourself. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I see just so many things like people are just stepping up and saying, hey, I want to do this. Can we do this? Supreme and like kind of spearheaded the nerf. Uh, that was so thing. cool. I that wish we could have so had cool. that one when, when I first moved here. My son would have yeah. been a part of it. He's a little tool. Now he's awkward. You know, now he's just like, doesn't yeah, that know. was really cool. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even just like, oh, everybody just bring it. Like it was organized. They had people. Then it, everything, it just starts with one person and everybody starts saying, oh, I can do this. I can do this. They had obstacles. They had, you know, things that they spray painted. They, you don't find that. That never happened in the community we were at in Washington. Yeah. Never. And then the, the Halloween scavenger hunt. Yes. That, that was, was cool, awesome too. Right? Yeah. All the clues everywhere. And then Jag's dress as a clown at the very you end. Know, yeah. Well, a um, clown is... Oh, yeah. How about Jag's dressed as the uh, the Grinch? Oh my gosh. He yes. The for the photo, the, shoot. the photo yes. shoot. Well, he came... He actually came to our <laughs> house. such a good sport. Individual. In his Grinch costume? In his... In his we had family here. <laughs> and he came here um, and that. paid us a personal individualized visit. Scared the crap out of my daughter. Um, <laughs> but... That is the people here. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to start the podcast to get to know people. I wanted to highlight the issues of the community mm-hmm. and, more, and more or less to bring about a more non-Facebook-driven conversation mm-hmm. because we talked so much on Facebook and you don't know the people you're talking to. You don't know where they come from. People just like to spout off on Facebook and yeah, people you know, say weird I try sometimes. to be as constructive as I can. I can be, I can be opinionated easily. But I try to be as constructive in those conversations as I possibly right. can to explain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this was a way that we could talk about the issues in a more constructive manner. 
but it is kind of morphed into, I want to talk about the positive things. I don't want anybody to hear all these negative things about Epperson and kill your business. <laughs> oh, I'll <laughs> right? sell anything. I'll find You'll something s- else to sell. I just happen to love selling homes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my biggest thing is like how you look at the Lagoon community or how you mm-hmm. look at the Lagoon when it's attached to this community. Um, so, you know, what I tell people, it's just like every other neighborhood because even though there's so many things that make it special, we have our challenges too. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, to me, it's you're going to have to see it however you see things. When I moved to Florida, first I went to go tell my aunt because she's a mm-hmm. psychologist. I didn't want to tell my parents yet. <laughs> so I took Michael with me to tell my aunt and I said... Oh, should we move? Like, I don't, why would I go to Florida? That's so far from my family, you know? And I said, and she said, well, there is an old wise man who worked at a gas station at a place out of nowhere, driving, picture yourself driving through Arizona. Mm-hmm. And there's a random gas station. There there's was a small there. little town with like 15 <laughs> houses behind it. And someone stopped by and asked him, oh, what's this town like? Like, what kind of people live here? And the man was like, what kind of people live in you, where you're from? And the people were like, oh, they're grouchy, they're mean, they're rude, they leave things in their front yard, they're dirty, like, I just can't stand them, they're just this. And the man said, that's how it is here. (laughs) And then they left, and then another family came by. Oh my God, what kind of people live here? We didn't know this town was here. And he said, well, what kind of people live where you are? And they're like, they're so nice, I love our neighbors, we're always outside with them, sometimes we play music, our kids run around. If you're visualizing it, it's the same neighborhood, right? He said, well, that's how they are here. (laughs) <laughs> and the lesson is the neighborhood is however you choose to see it or make of it. I like that because it's true. Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to have an asshole neighbor one day. You course. might because <laughs> that of does course. happen. But ideally, you can <laughs> right, but you can handle it um, and choose <clears throat> to see it however you'd like. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think that social media, it, it's given it a an outlet for people to just complain about everything. And Everything and anyone. It's it's a it's a it's a microscope, right, or a magnifying glass. It's a magnifying glass. So it's yeah. Micro, uh, Facebook just magnifies everything to mm-hmm. a tenth degree. Mm-hmm. And if you put it into perspective, that if you took that same magnifying glass and you put it on every single community, you're going to get the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So I I had to come to terms with that too. I think a lot of people here are upset, and they should be. They're rightfully upset for things that they were promised, but. I start to realize that some of those things were promised by builders, people trying to, I would not say real estate agents, but builders trying to sell homes because well, also, they're a different, it was they're agents. different brand. It was, was it uninformed agents, agents because that's the info they, they were receiving from builders. Right. So And they didn't have Metro so, events back then. Now they have, Metro has events for realtors where they inform them. Oh, and awesome. actually they just released a website just for realtors where they allow us to download forms and things to help our, welcome our buyers to the okay. community because those are the people that are getting the word out. Mm-hmm. But they did misinform them, not on purpose. It's the information they had in front of them. So now we have hundreds of people who moved in with the wrong information and they have every right to be upset. You know, it's almost like we need to have our own little town hall to kind of go through and everybody get all this. Oh my gosh, we've had so many town hall meetings before we (laughs) even had CDD meetings. Yeah, we had town hall meetings here. Um, The first one was before I even moved in. Oh, wow. Um, But I was already part of the Facebook group and I was already getting invited to wine night and everything. Oh, yeah, (laughs) wine Wednesdays and stuff. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah, we had town hall meetings on, you know. it's, It's perspective. You know, I think if you, there are other communities out here just as expensive as the ones you can find here and they don't even have a lagoon. Right. So, and you know what? During the pandemic, their clubhouse closed or the pool was closed. Oh, right. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that changed when people were touring homes coming here mm-hmm. um, to the scenic area. I tell them this is like an outdoor clubhouse. 
You can yeah. do everything here that you would do at a regular clubhouse, except guess what? We've got movies on the lawn every yes. Wednesday. We have family night on Fridays. You've got a swim bar. You'd be sitting there having a cocktail in the water and your child could be splashing around just like 10 yeah. feet away. Right. And there's a Disney movie playing on the lawn. And if you go around, there's probably a pumpkin patch. If you come in December, Santa's over there by the kayak saying hi to people. Um, there's live music going on. There's karaoke. You run into 10 neighbors. And if you don't know them yet, they're introducing themselves. Um, or you can get a cabana and stay quiet, private. And I tell people, well, kids are allowed over there too, but they don't make it over there very often. So it's a little bit more mellow. And if you want to feel like you're at a Vegas pool party, then you get a lock cabana like I did. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> the cabana, we, we've never gotten one. We've never gotten one. Is that the right? Is that the right English? I don't know. Um, we have <laughs> never got a cabana. I don't know if maybe we just haven't had a reason to, but it's it's a it's kind of a luxury. Yes, it's kind of, it is. It's kind of cool. I think I got it once uh, for yeah. I just wanted to relax, and then I did an cabana. I invited you guys, but you couldn't come. Oh, we probably yeah, we probably just ignored it or something. We just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we were. I'm not gonna go there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Jerry again. She won't stop liking oh, us. She's friggin' uploading every single oh day. Gosh. Like, I'm tired of liking her stuff just because. Okay, we're going to talk about this because I talked to Nicole last podcast and I said, mm-hmm. and I mentioned you and I said, I love the fact that you brand yourself so so well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. That was one of the biggest things. And I think that people don't understand how important it is. And I think people can look at it and say, oh my God, it's so pretentious to do that. It's like, this is your, it's like a business. Can you tell me what does pretentious mean? So English oh, is my second language. Okay, so pretentious would be I, I use that. I have a word of like the year, and <laughs> I get I get get locked into a word, and then I start to use. And you it. use that one a lot. I, I do that lot. sometimes. So pretentious, I'd have to look up the like the actual definition. But in my words, pretentious is like kind of snooty. Okay. All right, I'm going to do this. What? I'm going to look up the definition. Okay. It's fun fact. I think a lot of people probably even here in Florida don't know, unless they're my really close friends, that English is my second language. My first you, language you is Spanish. You speak it so well. <laughs> so, so once in a while I come across a word, I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And I'm like, that's cool. I've never heard it. I'll start using it every day. Now. I probably use it wrong too. <laughs> so according to the dictionary okay. definition of pretentious, it says... Attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, talent, culture, etc. That is actually possessed. That's not good. People think that of me. No, I, I think that I think that when it comes to branding, right? So it can come off different. It can ways. come off pretentious. Okay. Right. And so, if you want to know my opinion about how people view others, they could probably use that and say, "Oh no, that's just being pretentious." So I can see how talking about your branding. This is just like your drive. How do you get your drive? Like what pushes you? And we talked about real estate and that you really love this. Mm-hmm. If you put it up to any other company and if the company is doing well or they want to do better, they have to brand themselves in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for Starbucks mm-hmm. uh, when I first moved to Washington State. I got a job as an assistant store manager. I eventually left that because I thought they were kind of being a little slow and giving me my own store. And that's why I went to nursing school. I read a book, Howard Schultz, which is the... CEO Starbucks. of Starbucks. He wrote a book. He's wrote several books, but his his number one book about Starbucks, and I can't remember what it's called now, but I read it before I even went to my interview. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, you know, about the Starbucks culture. Right. They have a really good culture. Like, I love their culture. That's definitely not why I left. And it kind of goes back to the communities. Like, every community is kind of like the same. Like, Starbucks has a really great culture, but you're always going to have bad apples because I had a bad experience in the last store I worked at. But... Their overall culture is who they are, but they bring it about in their branding. So how they brand themselves to mm-hmm. other, they let the, they let their culture and what they truly feel affect what their mission statement is. And then that mission statement gets 
uh, regurgitated into branding, whatever commercials they put out, which actually Starbucks doesn't have very many commercials, but all of their promo material coming up with new captions or new slogans. Right. How do they get people to pay $6? Yeah. How do they do that? For a cup full of ice and a little bit of coffee, right? right? So when it comes to- I do it all the time. (laughs) Right. And I love branding. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's just- I guess I look at it because when I was younger, uh, I wanted to go to college and I wanted to study uh, commercial design. Like I was, I was artistic when I was a kid, but I wasn't very good at drawing. I just, I like creative, creative. So Mm -hmm. I like to come up with different designs, but I couldn't really put them to paper because I couldn't really draw as well. I could draw if I looked at something, but not out of my mind. You look at the logos on the things. Yeah, the logos on the things. You made those, I'm assuming. I did. Well, I pulled two of them and I actually made the gate. Okay. I, but I was telling Nicole, like, I like minimalist designs, yes, right? Yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very minimalist kind of things. And I like to be able to look at something and then people have to ask questions about it mm-hmm. because then it strikes up the conversation. Yeah. When it comes to your branding, which is mm-hmm. one of the things I thought was really good because you're really, you're really involved in branding yourself. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Why do you think that branding is important and what kind of drives you to keep on recreating your brand to kind of move it forward? I think I enjoy creating it. Are you mm-hmm. talking about like Instagram? Anything. I mean, just yeah. how you, everything from the fact that you took, you take people to the Lagoon Scenic Point, right? Mm-hmm. But, but branding yourself by uh, trademarking certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Life of the Lagoon, mm-hmm. right? Or Home Selling Queen. Right. Right. But all those come from something. It's not like you just sit in your house oh, and go, okay. oh, so, I, I'm going to call myself this. No, there are right. things that pop up. So right. I think that growing up in a big city mm-hmm. gave me part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up in Los Angeles, there's celebrities everywhere. Everyone knows what a publicist is. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Image I, is important. I forgot about all that, yeah. But I, I don't think I ever knew I had an interest in like marketing and the way branding works until I started doing it for my own business. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was fun. I learned it really quickly. And honestly, I tell Mike all the time when I wake up in the morning and I go on the apps I use to create stuff for mm-hmm. specifically Instagram and then they sync to Facebook, Twitter, um, and then I put them all together in a TikTok or whatever. Right. I It's when I open my eyes the first thing in the morning, I think of just random things that I would I think people would want to see, right. that they would want to know. Or sometimes I think of a way to connect with the audience. So I'll tell a story or I'll ask a question. I'll upload a photo of myself doing something so people can see me in action as a realtor. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I'm doing. I'm touring homes, showing them whatever, because I feel that social media is a way to connect, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, even probably 75% of the people that follow me on Instagram or, or right. Facebook, right? But they're following me because they probably have a general interest in homes. Mm-hmm. Not particularly buying, but maybe decor or things that relate to homes. The one, the number one thing that I think everyone on social media has is they like to be opinionated sometimes so sometimes i give them things to talk about you know and sometimes they talk to me or they leave comments or they share Mm -hmm. and it's a way to connect with more people which is again my favorite thing to do part being part of real estate is connecting with people social media is a big part of your brand Mm -hmm. and connecting with people i think that it's a it's a lost art Mm -hmm. right i think people always want that quick thing Mm -hmm. like okay i'm not in real estate but if I was a real estate agent and I'd be like, okay, I have this house for sale. I'm going to put a picture of the house up and that's it. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and a okay, cell phone photo, not even a professional yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, that's another thing. I don't, someone asked me the other day, um, hey, my friend, I was uh, thinking about selling their home. They want to sell for sale by owner, but um, they're wondering if you could take the pictures for them. What? 
First of all, I don't take pictures. No, you do not take the pictures. No, I have no. a photographer to do that. Right. I don't know how to do photography. I just, <laughs> But I know that I want photos to look a certain way. I have a very right. specific taste in things and I want them to look perfect. So I pay somebody else right. to take the photos of homes and they take twilight photos, evening photos, yeah. videos, someone else to do all that. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. So I was like, I you definitely. take your own good photos on on your social medias and stuff. You do a yeah, pretty good like job. Random you know photos, cap- but you know, when you're trying to show a house like yeah. a listing, I feel like this is what I tell a lot of my sellers: your home is. Go- I want to prepare your home like if it's going into the parade of homes, right? And the parade of homes is a real thing that I volunteer mm-hmm. for with Tampa Bay Builder Association. We have it once a year. Okay, but this is my my thought when I'm putting a house on the market. We want it to look the best because first impression matters and it can make like a $20,000 difference in your home selling if it's beautiful photos than if it's photos from a cell phone that are dark all the lights are off there's clothes all over the bed you know there's stuff all over the place this should be common sense shouldn't it I, that's what I'm thinking, but I come up yesterday. Somebody, somebody actually, Stephen sent me a TikTok yesterday. Mm-hmm. I got to share it with you. Um, it's uh, listing photos, and there's literally a grandpa sleeping in the bed, people in the kitchen <laughs> eating. I'm like what? But in this market, I guess it'll sell anyway, right? Maybe that's it. Like, but I, it's I grandpa think, included. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know you sell a lot of homes. I know you have a lot of listings, but I've always felt, I've always. I mean, even before we worked with you, I always felt that it was always quality over quantity. I mean, come on, let's let's be let's be honest. The more a home sells for, obviously, the more you're going to get. Absolutely, I want everyone to sell their homes high. Right, yes. but it's also it, but people like put a negative connotation on that and say, well, she's going to get this much money from her house, but we're getting more money because she's putting in the effort to sell it for a certain amount. Right. So it's a you're working for both sides. Right, you have a family to feed. Mm-hmm. You have a family to take care of. Right. Right. This is your job. This right. isn't, you're not doing and a And nobody hobby. knows how much money I make because there's a lot of deductions after I get a paycheck. Oh my, yeah. There's a, a, yes. People can yeah. probably see and. Um, and also no one knows what I spend my money on, but the majority of it is already accounted for before I even take to the bank. Um, because people don't, you know, they don't know. They don't care to ask. I think sometimes people forget that I'm human. Like, yeah, I'm selling all these homes here in Epperson. I'm mm-hmm. active. I'm community ambassador. I host events. And I'm every I run into people all the time as I'm driving back and forth. My job is here at Epperson. I drive on every single street almost every yes. single day to someone to a different house. So I see people waving and people see me in action mm. at work. People know you. But here. at the end of the day, I still huh? People know you here. People know I'm here. But at the day, I still have a family. I have a teenager right. to raise. I have a boyfriend. I have uh, my dad just passed away. A boyfriend is a very away. very loose term. Right. Okay. For what Michael is. He well, you know he. He wants to have his time with me too. Mm-hmm. He loves supporting my career, but if I'm working all the time mm-hmm. and I sell 18 homes per quarter, he might never see me because <laughs> that was a lot for me, you know. And right. he's very patient with me. He supports me. He's he plays actually a really large role in my business. Um, I had nothing when I met yeah. Michael. I I had my son and my family, which made me feel rich, honestly. But I didn't have a lot of things. He let me borrow money mm-hmm. to do my first listings because listings cost money. Right. You know he encourages me he gives me the freedom i mean i go into so many different houses and he fully trusts me he doesn't know where i am all day right. he just knows that's, i'm doing the right that's thing that's kind of scary yeah it is that'd be scary yeah mm-hmm. when i go and tour outside of upperson or if i'm touring uh somebody that i don't know i usually bring somebody with me he's gone right. with me before i won't go tour a stranger by myself right because it's dangerous you know you never know you could be a target at any time right um, but most times when i go visit someone for a new listing i meet the husband and the wife together and ideally that Kind of when it's together, you feel more comfortable, I guess. But yeah. even then, you know, I do check in with him and tell him. But he's just, he's so mellow. He's such a good partner. No, he's a great guy. Yeah. I think um, 
he's so much of a part of your success too. Yeah, he right? is. And he's also a big driver in why you work so hard as well. You want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, he, so let's back up a little bit. <laughs> I, I started my career in the, in real estate industry when I was 17 years old. Um, and I'll get to the Michael story in a little yeah. bit because that's, that's going to be the happy ending on this. Yeah. I worked at a mortgage company and to visualize it, I kind of worked for someone very similar to the Wolf of Wall Street. It was a very hectic, um, fast-paced environment. Um, home loans being sold to probably unqualified people. This is right before the bubble. And I didn't really know much. I, Like I said, I grew up thinking everything was rainbows and sunshine. Mm -hmm. It was a very happy childhood. And so then I went into work for the Wolf of Wall Street. It was completely <laughs> different. And I worked there for a couple of years. And then I moved into property management and leasing apartment, mm -hmm. apartment buildings in L.A., uh, some in good areas, some in bad areas. And then I kind of promoted myself and I moved into asset management. I studied real estate development and finance at USC. And okay. it, it ended up being a competition. It was a certificate program that I did, which I was a single parent at the time. So I had to get a voucher to get it at a discounted price because USC is expensive. Very. But because it's a certificate program, you couldn't get FAFSA, financial aid, all that stuff. Oh, so you had right, to like... That's right. You had to write an essay. You had to write your story. Why? And, you know, no one wants to write about their struggles. That's embarrassing. But I got in. They gave it to me at half price. <laughs> um, and then I did the program. And the program ended up being a competition. And I won. Really? We had to create the best use of a development, whatever they give us. Okay. At that point, it was a 200-acre lot. Just a vacant lot in L.A. Mm -hmm. What's the best use of it? I'm sorry. 200,000 square feet. Oh, 200,000 square feet. I'm thinking acres because I keep talking about the seven-acre lagoon. I apologize. Oh, okay. <laughs> 200,000 square feet lot. Gotcha. So enough for like a grocery store and some plazas. But okay. when you study development, you can't just put anything anywhere because it won't be successful if you don't plan it out right. So right. throughout the program, we studied real estate development and finance because it's tied in there heavily. You need investors and they want their returns. Even in like an Epperson community, there's investors here that funded this this place from the beginning and they got their returns. Mm -hmm. And then it was peace out after that. Change the Lagoon rules. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, so I studied all that. And then me and my team, team, we created the best use of that development, which at the time was mixed use. It was office space with apartment buildings and amphitheater and a little bit of retail. And then we had to come up with what vendors, I'm sorry, what businesses we would put in there. You know, mm -hmm. So I learned the importance of having food in a shopping center. Um, as opposed to, you know, having a nail salon or a dog groomer, all those things are great, but right. if there's no food there, it's really hard to drive traffic to those locations okay. because for a nail salon, you go there once every two weeks, but if there's food, every single age group and demographic will walk in there at some point Makes and sense. see that next door has a mattress store or has a pet grooming or whatever it is. Okay. Um, I learned about anchor tenants, you know, things like that. So I did all that. And then I worked in asset management, which is, um, investment analysis. I basically had to babysit these commercial investments and make sure they were profitable when they were sold at five to seven years. They were given to me as brand new investments and I had to manage the commercial, the money part of it, make sure that when it gets sold for much more and then it's been ran correctly. Mm -hmm. So I've been working in all these different industries of real estate that have prepared me to where I am now, right? Mortgage, leasing, property management, asset management, investment analysis, um, with both commercial residential mm -hmm. and now I'm here and I met Michael and a lot of people don't know this but Michael's a kidney transplant recipient right so we just celebrated his 10-year anniversary wow. having that kidney and um, uh, it's his mother's kidney it's in great health mm -hmm. he gets it checked quarterly 
but we know that it will not last forever. Right. You know, when I met him, he kind of saved Ruben and I. We, I mean, we, we had a good life, but we didn't have a lot of stability. Um, and financially, we weren't in the best place. And he took us right in hmm. with no questions, no doubts, no nothing. He just pure love and trust and comfort. And he did that for us and he changed our life. So he brought us to Florida. You know, he got a promotion to come back to Florida. He said, you want to come? I'm not going without you. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to Florida. Are you kidding me? I'm fine here. Right. And he's like, you can buy a real nice house there for 200 grand. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, you can't. And he showed me these homes in Spring Hill. And I was like, oh my God, you can. Pristine Place, I think, is a community in Spring okay. Hill. Because that's where he's from. So I said, all right. After like a week of thinking, I said, all right, let's go. And I told my parents, all right, we're going to Florida in two weeks. Oh, Lord. And my mom was like, what? Why? She had a lot of questions. But my dad was like, okay. And he gave us his blessing. Anything hmm. I've ever presented to my dad, he says, okay. Like he Because he raised you, right? I guess you could say that. I, I didn't think about it until now that he's yeah. gone. That like he gave us so much confidence because he just went along with whatever we wanted. He never doubted us. And I just think it's so amazing that he did that because I have a teenager now who yeah. wants to do things that I'm like, uh, who's going to be there? What time will you be home? Where are you? Do I'm you tracking your location. Parent? Yeah. And he never had hardly any rules. He never yeah. cared about what I wore. He was nice to any boyfriend that I introduced to him. Hmm. He, you know, never gave us any doubts. He so, trusted you. Yeah, he trusted, he trusted us. You. And so it's hard to do that as a parent, I think. It's extremely hard to do that. I'm learning that out as we went from a family of four to a family of seven. Mm-hmm. Five girls in the house, yeah. all with their own personalities. My older two now on the dating scene, you know, and trying to give freedom. But my right. parents weren't helicopter parents. They same thing as yours, right? They. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my mom was a little bit, but my dad wasn't. Yeah. So. I didn't raise my my daughters up until this age. You know, they were with right. their mom, so I didn't have. Yeah, so you're jumping in all of a sudden full time. Exactly, and now I have to figure all this out. And yeah, and they're girls. Yes, and your male. Girls. And so yes, that comes with even house. more challenges. A lot of challenges. Yeah, so. yeah. See, right. that's why I think like, how did my dad let me just yeah. do whatever I wanted? I was, I was for sure not mellow. I was very right. talkative, and I was out doing whatever I wanted, and would break the rules many times, <laughs> yeah. and would sneak around. And then he still would trust that I would do the right thing someday, and mm-hmm. I didn't right away. You know, I kept making mistakes, but he still just let me be. Well, he lets you learn mistakes. He was like, okay, it all depends yeah. on how how horrible the mistake was, which obviously it probably wasn't that horrible. So as long as you didn't make any really bad mistakes, he's like, oh, you'll learn from it. You'll yeah. learn from it. I don't yeah. think my parents, my mom, is. I don't think they really had that attitude as in you'll learn from your mistakes. I wasn't necessarily a bad kid. I wasn't out doing drugs. I wasn't getting drunk or anything mm-hmm. like that. I was an awkward you know, boy and mm-hmm. I didn't have girlfriends. You know, I didn't have any of that she didn't she honestly didn't have anything to worry about very very few times did i ever do anything that was really that bad so mm-hmm. i think you know i earned that trust just by being you know doing that um but as a dad of girls you're a little bit more of a protector yeah you know? and yeah and he and he wasn't somehow so what i was saying is michael um is the love of my life mm-hmm. and I know he's getting a new kidney one day. So I decided, well, I have a good gig here doing asset management and investment analysis from home in Florida. Mm-hmm. It was fine. But I thought if I can get licensed as a realtor and sell one home per year, I can put that away. And then, you know, when Michael does his next transplant, he's not going to be working. He's going to be doing dialysis, whatever. We're going to need more money, mm-hmm. basically. I will just put that away and save it till then. 
And so that's what I decided to do. So I became a realtor and then I sold many houses. And it turns out <laughs> that- you were good at it. <laughs> turns <laughs> out I'm good, good at it. it. This is what I love doing. Now it became my career. It's my business. It's I, right. I quit my full-time job. I'm just a full-time realtor. But I'm so much more than that, I guess, because I do community events, all kinds of stuff. You've done a lot of community events. Hmm? You've done a lot of community events. Yeah. And a lot of community events that maybe people didn't know you had your hands in. Yeah, I don't like to publicize when I'm doing stuff like that usually. But, uh, you know, it's okay for people to know, I guess, later. I I just want people to come together. Mm -hmm. When I came here, I started an Instagram page called Wesley Chapel Moms. You would put that on the form that I send out (laughs) to all the... To all of my guests, I put the form out for you to say, hey, you yeah. know, what do you want to talk about? I did not know that. Yeah. So no, what is that? I don't know that because I don't really put photos of myself on there. So I started that because I was I moved here and I moved to Spring Hill while my house was being built. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Spring Hill in Michael's mom's house okay. the entire time. And then I actually I lived with his dad as well for a little bit. And then we moved here. Um, but I started Wesley Chapel Moms in hopes of connecting with other moms to make friends. Okay. Not knowing I was going to move to Epperson where everyone wanted to be friends. Yes. <laughs> I didn't need the page at all. Right. But I used it for fun and I started uploading memes. It's really a meme page. It's full of is memes. It Very is? inappropriate memes. You shouldn't go there if you get offended easily. But I'm not a mom, so I can't get on, pa- on the I page. I mean, you right? can follow it. In, trust me, it? there's probably males that follow it because it's called yeah. Western Chapel Moms. <laughs> but is it it's inappropriate? Sometimes, yeah. Right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right up my alley. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't put my face on there too much, I don't think, but... Yeah, it's there. And then I have Life at the Lagoon, Home Selling Queen, Realtor Jerry. And then I have a couple more that are in, that are in the works. I just haven't publicly released them. Mm. Um, no, you have a lot. I do. I have at least three other ones that are just mm. waiting because we have some future plans. I love that because it means you're always innovating. Yeah, there's we're big things coming. Innovation, right? but, but always innovating yourself, kind of not even recreating. You're just adding on more and more and more. This means that you're fully committed to this job, fully committed to your brand fully. And there's, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's, there can't be a single thing wrong with that mm-hmm. because it's a hustle, right? Mm-hmm. It really is a hustle. And I think people use that word a little freely sometimes, but you have to, yeah. especially in, in, in this business in real estate. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And, um, you know, you asked me earlier where do I get my drive from and stuff. I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things and the way I was programmed as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents, like I said, they're naturalized citizens. So they came here for a better opportunity. So God forbid I get lazy ever. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> they would not approve of that. They're very hard workers and they are very optimistic. They're problem solvers. It's pretty incredible what they were able to accomplish coming here with nothing, mm-hmm. being able to buy a home for us, save for a down payment. Are you kidding me? They barely even had jobs. My dad worked at a car wash when I was a kid oh, and my wow. mom was a clean lady. Um, and I have no clue where they got the money for a down payment for a house, uh, of that size It's a big house for LA and, you know, living in a suburban area motivated me to do more, be better, improve, grow all those things. You know, for example, even my name, my mom named me after Geraldine Ferraro. You had said that before. That's, that's, yeah. So that's the first woman to run for vice president in October of 1984, which is when I was born. Oh my gosh. My mom barely spoke English at the time, but she knew she wanted something big for me. Right. So she named me Geraldine, which she probably could barely pronounce my name at the time. <laughs> right. Right. My mom's name is Margarita and my dad's name is Margarito. It's a very traditional oh, wow. Mexican name. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was just in me from the beginning. I was just born with this drive, with this fire inside me. You know, I made decisions 
about what I was doing with certain things at a very young age. And they always supported me. And I know they're proud of me. I know my dad was proud of me. He got to come to Florida um, last year for my birthday, thankfully. He came and he spent the weekend here with my mom and saw my house, Mm -hmm. saw a little bit of what I've accomplished because 2021 was much bigger. But the little bit that he saw, he was impressed with and he was so happy. And I'm so glad we did that because he's a hard worker. He doesn't really do vacations. Right. We kind of forced him to come here. I said, we bought your tickets already. You're going to make me waste this money. And he could not live with the thought that I bought something and the money would go down the drain. <laughs> I said, fine, right. I have to go. So we dragged him here and had a great time. Well, I'd be remiss if um, if I didn't bring up that you've had a difficult year. Mm-hmm. You've had a very successful start to 2021. Yeah. But it's been difficult for you. Yeah, it was, it was very hard. I'm still like shocked at how I even... I don't know how I did it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to part one of my conversation with Jerry. Stay tuned for part two, where we continue the discussion of her challenging start to 2021, including the losses of two very important parts of her life. She'll talk about more real estate, her life at the Lagoon Vision, and what direction she sees this incredible neighborhood going in the future. Stay tuned. See my name in lights, spark from the heart and it shines so bright. Yeah, let the whole world know.